Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. I would like to acknowledge the traditional owners of the land on which this podcast is created, the Gadigal and Bidjigal people of the Eora Nation. I pay my respects to Elders past, present and emerging. This is the Ash London Podcast. I am, you guessed it, Ash London. Reformed radio host, new mum and human being on a quest to live my best life when it feels like the world around me is imploding. Each week we do a bit of mum chat and I also do one of my favourite things on the planet and interview a guest. From celebrities who have entertained us over the craziness of the last two years to everyday people with inspiring stories. This is... The Ash London Podcast. Today's guest is media personality, diversity advocate, author and mum of two, Antoinette Latouf. As you'll hear in this chat, I first met her at the very start of my career. She's since co-founded Media Diversity Australia, which is a not-for-profit organisation working towards increasing cultural and linguistic diversity in the media. Over the last decade, I've watched as Antoinette has tirelessly called bullshit when she saw it, when for so long women, and especially women of colour, have been told to shut up, not rock the boat, be grateful for any opportunity we have, and not upset people because we might then lose said opportunity. More recently, she's released her first book. It's called How to Lose Friends and Influence White People. It explores how to make a difference when championing change in racial equality. It is clear, concise, and a typical Antoinette form. It's no BS. It's my pleasure to have her on to talk about her own experiences as a Lebanese-Australian woman growing up in Western Sydney, fighting for a better education and a fairer world. Please welcome Antoinette Latouf. Thank you so much for having me. I was thinking today as I was preparing about the first time that I knew you existed and it was at the very, very, very start of my media career was a baby 10 years ago and I was just started at Channel 10 and I was so excited to meet a Lebanese person. I know I think like we're the like the two only no we would have been the only two Arabs of commercial television. Honestly because I remember thinking that can't be true and then I did some exploring because I became so aware of the fact that it was this thing and then when I kind of was aware of it and looked around and, and listened around, we've got Susie Yusuf and Jan Fran now, so there's four of us. I'm sure there are more um, Lebanese women that I don't know about. Wowzers McGee, what 10 years it's been. Enormous. Yeah, congratulations on the book. I'm very excited. How to Lose Friends and Influence White People. Did you ever think that you would be writing a book with the words white people in the title? If I told you that 20 years ago, would you have been surprised? Oh, look, to be honest, I got approached by a publisher and they were like, do you want to write a book? What do you want to write about? Do you want to write a children's book? Do you want to write fiction? Do you want to write nonfiction? And then I just was like, oh, I don't know. I thought about it for about a month and I wasn't a big fan of the idea at first, but there was something that just kept pissing me off that I thought, oh, you know what, if I am going to write about something, and I made a joke in a a subsequent meeting with this publisher, who, by the way, isn't my current publisher, and said, like, what would I write about? 
anything I'm going to write about is just how to make people unpopular because I say shit that a lot of people think and, you know, won't actually say it. So what would I write? Like a how to lose friends and influence white people. It was in a kind of like, why would I write a book? And then she was like, yes, that is, that's the book. That's the book you will write. That's very cool. In the very preface of this book, I felt quite emotional. I think I cried already reading because I think a lot of it was reflected. Very, very similar kind of person I was when I was younger. Did you also have a moustache? Yes, and still do, no matter how much laser I have. In fact, every morning I inspect my son's monobrow and he's seven months old. I'm like, how bad is it today? But I became quite a people pleaser. So... You know, for you to be able to say, yes, you know, like I often talk shit and piss people off and to own that, was that something that you were always comfortable with or that you kind of grew into as you got older and gave less shits? It's something I've always done. Now I do it with more ease, but I've always been just not what people expected or necessarily wanted. And so I even write that at the beginning, like even my parents were betting on a boy and they were hoping for one. From the get-go, I was like, sorry, folks, you got me. And then from a really young age, like being the fifth of seven children in, you know, super povo, very traditional Arab family, I had to fight for everything. Mm. I had to fight to stay in school. I had to fight to be heard. So, yeah, I guess I... I've always been like this. <laughs> and so hence the, you know, hence the title of the book. It won't always uh, make you the most popular person in the room, but it probably will make you an effective person. So well, Effective you are, that is for sure. Part of my research, I got a compilation of all the kind of awards that you've won and it was a good page long and I was like, oh gosh. Um, you mentioned having to fight for your education and fight to kind of finish schooling. Not only did you fight for that and finish schooling, but you enrolled yourself in a better school. Tell people listening how that happened because that's, I mean, most high schoolers are like, oh, if my parents let me stop, I'd never go back. But you not only recognise that it wasn't the high school you wanted to be at, but that there was a better option. Yeah, so I went to um, a pretty shitty high school in Western Sydney. And look, there are so many things I loved about it because I think it really made me the person I was. You know, we weren't sheltered at all. There was, you know, it was super multicultural. It had a, di a disability unit. We went to school in the playground with kids with disability, had lots of kids from low socioeconomic backgrounds, housing commission. There were teen pregnancies. There were kids in and out of juvie. We kind of saw everything. You know, I went to my first baby shower before I was 16, before I'd been kissed, actually. So I saw and experienced a lot of things, which probably helped my interest in journalism and storytelling and um, economics and all of that. And so I was always an uber nerd. And then I went to my careers advisor and I said to him, and this is one of the, you know, the first, my first interactions, probably my second, my first one was my dad, interactions with the patriarchy and how it viewed women, but also how it viewed women like me who had, you know, no privilege, who were from a non-English speaking background. And I went to my careers advisor and said, I want to be a journalist and I want to go to the best journalism school in the country. And so, you know, what do you think I need? What subjects should I do to, to get the marks? And at that time, you needed to get around 98 in, it was called UAR, I think UAR, I think it's ATAR, depends where you live. And he just said to me, he was like, Antoinette, what I think we can do for you is get you into the local TAFE. And then after that, maybe after a year, we have the TAFE has a good relationship with the local university um, and we can probably get you into media and communications that way. 
And so that was my careers advisor telling me, aim lower, it's not going to happen. Were you able to recognise at that moment, this is bullshit? Or was any part yes. of you still, okay, good. So you're already, the bullshit meter was very high at that point. I, I, I then My response to him was, I think you need to find a new career. Yeah, that's Speaking, if you're a careers, <laughs> If you're a careers advisor and this is what you're telling me, and so um, I decided to try and find out, find another school I could go to. But because we had no money, you know, private schools or Catholic schools weren't an option. But selective schools were. And I mean, I think they exist in most parts of Australia, but it's where you where you sit a test and it's essentially a school for nerds and you, you pass a certain test and then you get in. And so I applied for a couple, um, but I just forged my parents' signature because they couldn't read or write English. And so they were just... If ask me to read things to them. Actually, no, I, I filled in the forms and I took it to my parents and I said, Mum, sign here. So I didn't forge her signature first per se, but I got her, I, I filled the forms on her behalf without her knowing, which is akin to forgery, I guess. Kind of, but with a good purpose. You weren't, exactly. you know. And then I, I, I didn't tell them until I got into the school. And what was their reaction? Did they understand that education was important to you and you wanted different? Like, did it go down okay? How does that happen? With my mum, it went down well because she um, always regretted the fact that she was pulled out of school when she was eight um, and that she'd never had the opportunity to get an education. My father was very much of the, of the school of thought of, oh, well, who's going to marry you if you're too smart and nobody likes a woman with so many opinions and, you know, maybe you should just become a hairdresser. So at that point, my dad, and not, I'm not saying just a hairdresser, but I can't cut a piece of paper straight. So that was just never going to happen. Um, and so I just ignored my dad and my mum backed me. But yeah, so I had like two really kind of important figures in my life at that stage telling me, you know, and probably what's in hindsight, I get why the, what they were saying, even though I don't agree with them. My dad was telling me people aren't going to like a woman like you with a lot of opinions. They're not wrong in terms of where our country is at in terms of gender equality, let alone um, women of colour in, in prominent positions in media or in politics. Uh, and then the careers advisor, he did this big exhale and told me I can maybe go to TAFE. And perhaps they were prepping me, well, they knew what the big bad world was like and that it was not, they weren't going to be doors open for, for people like me. And did you find that it was a case of you just having to continually force those doors open for yourself did it ever get to a point whether in your education or when you entered the workforce where you felt like you could kind of breathe a sigh of relief or do you feel like it really has been a continuation of those sorts of conversations well certainly in the past five years I think there has been a shift I think um, with Media Diversity Australia the not-for-profit I co-founded five years ago but with Black Lives Matter with Kamala Harris as vice president I think the needle has shifted um, and I think that also I'm in a much more privileged position where I, I give even less fucks um, and I'm able to wear the consequences more Whatever they, whatever they might be, or I'm, I'm more prepared for them. But there's a difference between wearing consequences and wearing them publicly. And that I think, unless you're in a position where you have some sort of exposure or platform, you can never really understand what that feels like to have those opinions from people. It's very different when you're not on television or you're not on radio and you just, maybe you know that person or you've had a chance to have a conversation with them. It's completely different when people are, you know, your presence alone is pissing someone off, but they don't even know you, they've never met you and they're looking at you through a screen. So it does take a certain amount of resilience 
to be able to give or not give those fucks. Yeah, look, and I say it, I say it pretty flippantly, but I, I've done a bunch of things to try and safeguard, you know, myself and my mental health. So I've had to do things like take myself off the electoral roll so that I can't be located, ensure that I don't post, post uh, pictures of my children on social media or their school. Uh, I've had a digital security expert go through and could do a, a security audit of me online so that I, you know, just where I can be hacked or located. Um, I have a therapist, thank you to the mental health plan that, you know, <laughs> subsidise that I see regularly to, to work on that kind of resilience. And so these are things that people might go, oh, that seems like totally self-indulgent. It's like, well, no, I have seen what's happened, what have happened to other women of colour before me, or not even women of colour, other people of colour who've dared to talk about racism. And um, no matter how good they are at their jobs, they've been you know, completely torn to shreds. And, and you know, in the case of Yasmin Abdul-Majid, driven out of the country, Adam Goods, career cut short, brilliant, illustrious career cut short. I mean, he went from Australian of the Year to booed and maligned because he dared to talk about racism. And so I didn't go into this... Um, I, thankfully, but also sadly, I had those before me to, to, to talk to and learn from. Um, they still wear their battle scars, and I'm hoping to shield myself a little bit based on what they've had to go through. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. So the decision to have children is a big one for all of us. But you've got two daughters. Mm-hmm. How do you talk to them about this? How do you prepare them for this world? Was it a discussion you and your husband had to have before you had kids about how are we going to have these conversations? What are we going to teach them? What are we going to emulate in regards to the world you're bringing into the bringing them into as far as um race as far as the fact that they are going to be women into society that still isn't equal it's something i think about and i've got a son who's seven months old it's definitely something i think about and it made me even more determined to change things so often and as you you would imagine when you have a child you start reevaluating your lifestyle and your decisions and how you manage your time and what's important it was after having my second child that I decided if, I, if I'm going to return to the media industry in whatever capacity, as a commentator, as a journo, as a content creator, whatever it is, do I want to be part of an industry that is so problematic when it comes to race relations? And I was like, do I want to leave my children in the care of my mother-in-law or child early educators or a nanny to do like, what am I, what am I really doing? Because you start to weigh up, what am I leaving my child for? Um... And for some people, it's to pay the bills. And yes, you know, obviously the, the money has helped, but I just had this bigger kind of conversation in my head going, I would rather just not work and make ends meet than continue to be part of a problem. And so it was at that point that I made the decision that I'd, it was kind of a fork in the road. I would either leave the industry or try and shake it up a little bit because I realised that we, the media is a huge part of the problem. We set the narratives, we point fingers, we can inflame, we determine where the public gaze is. Is it frustrating to you sometimes that 
It's always the first people that, that go to a certain place that kind of bear the brunt of it, right? And it's it's the heavy work and it's the public work and yada, yada, yada. And then, and, and of course, other people have gone before you and other people will come after you. But sometimes I feel like I look around and I think, gee, it would be easier to just not bother kind of with this. And Oh, abs- oh gosh, absolutely. And um, it's something I, I spoke to Nidal Nguyen about as well because she does a lot of it, as you would know, for, about the African community and she's, and she's Melbourne-based. And she was like, wouldn't, be, wouldn't it be nice if we could just be lawyers? Like, her, you know, her profession is law- a lawyer, journalist for me, mothers, people. You know, we, we, we still do those jobs. Like the, the, this, this extra stuff is extra kind of burden and extra work, often unpaid, often with enormous hostility, sometimes with career consequences. It's not easy work. Um, and it's not anything that when I, when I was chatting to my careers advisor, it's not what I set up, set out to do. I just wanted to be a really good journalist. I wanted to have a voice. I wanted to contribute to public discourse. I never wanted to have this extra, I wouldn't call it a burden, um, but this extra barrier extra challenge to take up to take yeah. on and last question there's a lot in this book what i love about it is that you've really broken it up and at the end of every chapter you kind of summarize with the do's and don'ts which is like it's kind of the idiot's guide to like okay i've, I've explained all of this and in case you didn't get it here it is in dot form if you would if there was going to be kind of one main takeaway that you would hope people would remember from this book after reading it that would live on what would the takeaway be yeah great thank you that's such a good question It's that we all have a role to play, no matter who we are. We can be a middle-aged white bloke called Adam, or we could be, you know, a black person who runs an anti-racism think tank. We all just need to identify where we are in this, own your privilege, whatever they are. Like, Ash, you and I are privileged in that we have a platform, we have a voice that other Middle Eastern women don't. Don't be ashamed of what your starting point is, just acknowledge it. And I think there's a lot of guilt with people acknowledging what their starting point is. And that's that's okay, wherever you are. And that starting point may change over the years. I went from, you know, like Povo, Arab girl from the Western suburbs who was discouraged from an education to where I am now. And I'm so much more privileged than I was before. So I make no apologies for that. I now want to use my privilege for the betterment of others. So we all have a role to play. And so the only other thing I would say is to find your niche you don't have to do everything because it can be incredibly overwhelming, like climate change, for example. You know it's stuffed, you know it's huge, and you feel powerless, so then you just continue to do nothing. With anti-racism, you might be like, how am I going to stop black deaths in custody and unconscious bias and inequality in the workplace? What on earth am I going to do? I implore people just to find something that they can do. And that might be at a community level. It might be at at the community sports club. It might be ensuring that there's a a scholarship or a pathway program uh, for refugee or kids to play soccer. It, It can be that. You find your niche, you focus on it. Otherwise, we'll burn out. We'll feel that we don't have the skills and then nothing will change. So, yeah, identify your privilege and then find your niche. They're probably the two things I would say. I love that. Finding if everyone finds their niche, then all bases are covered. Yeah, absolutely. And and we don't have to be everything to everyone. It's it's impossible. For me, I'm looking at, you know, how media upholds white supremacy and I'm trying to change that. Um, Some might say, but what about this? What about Indigenous health outcomes? What about, you know, refugee women in precarious work conditions? Yes, all of those issues matter. 
I'm just, I'm, I'm one person. I love that. Antoinette Latouf, you're a legend. How to lose friends and influence white people. I will put all the details in the episode notes. I wish we could talk more. I love you. You're the best. Love you. Um, Thank you so much. Good on you. Good on you for writing the book. It's, it's, I don't know how you've done it. It's a lot, man. Well done. <laughs> Thanks. Big love to my Lebanese sister from another mister, Antoinette Latouf. I encourage you to follow her on socials, engage with her work. I'll put all the links in the show notes. Nothing changes if nothing changes. I certainly want to turn on the television and see more people of colour, more gender diversity. I want to see more disabled people hosting television shows. I want a world where people all over Australia can turn on the TV or the radio and see themselves reflected. It certainly wasn't the case all the time for me. Things are changing, but we've got a long way to go. I hope our chat today has given you something to think about. I know it certainly did for me. Take care, be safe, and I'll catch you next time. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started.